Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. into the word of the Lord, to the gospel of Matthew chapter 5, familiar territory here in chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, and then we'll go to the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter number 2, but I just want to read one of these Beatitudes. It's one that I quote often, verse 6 of chapter 5. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. Everybody say, after righteousness. For they shall be filled. There's no clause there. There's no small print to read. There's no loopholes in that. He said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And I want to go ahead and announce my subject title here this morning. I simply want to use the first few words there. Blessed are they which do hunger. Blessed are they which do hunger. Go with me to Mark chapter number 2. I want to read a short passage here, a story an account of Jesus and his disciples. Verse 23, And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day. And his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had a need and was a hungered? He, they that were with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and did eat the shewbread or showbread, which is not lawful to eat but for the priest, and gave also to them which were with him. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also, is Lord also of the Sabbath. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are they which do hunger. Praise God. Would you lift up your voice to the Lord and let's pray together right now that he would help us and bless in the remainder of our service today and our time together in the presence of God, that he would speak to us today and help us. Would you pray sincerely right now, Lord Jesus, I ask you, I ask you to help us, Lord. I ask you to touch the hearts of these good people here this morning. I pray that you would meet needs You'd satisfy every desire, every 
spiritual hunger that is existent here. I pray that you would move, work in, in each and every heart. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you for it, God. We give you praise for it right now. Somebody who lift up their voice and let's together praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. God is so good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. <clears throat> We've all heard and uh, read and seen advertisements concerning world hunger and uh, maybe have seen the very moving and touching pictures of children across the world somewhere with their bellies distended, their eyes sunken in, and uh, the look of hunger upon their face. And we've all been moved by that and uh, know and are aware that, that hunger is an extreme problem in our world. But I was recently shocked by statistics that I found regarding hunger that exists right here in America. I, I always have known and been aware of the fact that hunger was a problem in, in other parts of the world and in particularly third world countries. But I read where one in six people in America fight hunger. They face it every day. 20% or just a little over 20% of households with children face daily hunger crisis. One in five children are suffering from hunger. Yet the amazing and astounding thing is is that 40% of the food in America is thrown away. It's thrown out. It's not used and these that are so hungry and are in need are for whatever reason unable to access it. We know that real hunger, though probably very few of us have ever really experienced uh, hunger that was life-threatening, if any of us this morning, or even intense hunger pains. But hunger, real hunger, can control a person's emotions. Hunger dominates a person's thinking. Uh, can uh, change the course of a person's activities, can even change a person's character, make them act out of character. It has been said that a hungry man in jest has no manners, but that's really more than just a cliche. It's the truth. Hunger will cause a person to dispense with etiquette, it will cause a person to dispense with protocol and codes of behavior and conventional norms and decorum and refinement because it is one of the most basic drives and needs known to mankind. It's kind of a humorous story, and I suppose I'm telling off on myself a little bit this morning, but when I was just uh, really a young boy, I had never been... Uh, to a what we would call fine dining restaurant. I had been to a lot of pizza huts and places like that, McDonald's, but I don't guess that rates as fine dining. 
And uh, I'd always heard my parents talk about a particular restaurant in the area. It was called Stevenson Cider Mill. I don't even know if Stevenson Cider Mill is still a restaurant. But anyway, it was a little distance from where we lived at the time. And uh, they would always brag about at special occasions and different things, anniversaries and birthdays and those kind of occasions. They would, they would go and, and you'd have to get reservations, of course, and uh, dress up more than what you would if you were going to most of the restaurants that we frequented. And uh, usually they would go with another couple and babysitters would be found for us children and they would enjoy the night out. But I was excited when I finally got the invite to go to Stevenson Cider Mill as a young boy and, and uh, dressed up and, and went to the restaurant of course, it was everything they said it was and more. I remember there was different rooms, and, and uh, in these rooms, they were all individually decorated, and uh, there, was, there was the place setting that was there, and it was the finest, and, and uh, I mean, there was three or four different forks and knives and, and uh, different silverware that was there. They even had the little fork up there at the top of the plate, you know. And, uh, I mean, it was a nice place, and they served the meal in course. And uh, I, I'll never forget, everybody sat around. They had their, their napkin tucked in up underneath their chin like this, and, and uh, they was holding their forks just right and their uh, coffee uh, cups just right. And, and uh, it was just a fine restaurant. Servers were... Uh, just uh, so so attentive to every need that you had. And at the conclusion of the meal, they brought this little bowl and, and uh, they brought it out and it was warm. And they set it down before me and it had a little lemon in the top of it floating around. And uh, I'll just be honest with you, I had no idea what it was. But everything there had been so good up until this point, I thought it had to be something that you drank. And I, I reached down before looking to see what anybody else was going to do, and I, I took a sip, and it tastes just like water. And then I noticed as everybody else at the table put their fingers down in that bowl, begin to wash their hands, and dry them off. And I realized that I had just broken tradition. I realized that I was not ready for such decorum and ambiance as this particular restaurant would provide. But you know, uh, when a hungry person sits down at a table, they're not concerned which fork they're using, whether they're using the salad fork, the dinner fork, or the dessert fork. They're not concerned about what course and how and when they receive their meal or how it's set before them. Most of these type of places, to be honest with you, though the food is very tasty, there's really never enough to satisfy truly a hungry person. You're there because of the uh, decorum of it all and there to celebrate a particular occasion. And so hunger is the greatest drive and strongest motivator of mankind. 
supersedes anything else. When a person gets hungry, they'll do things they wouldn't normally do. And this is why Jesus stated in our text, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are they. Amen. If you're hungry for God, you can consider yourself a blessed person because there's a lot of people, for whatever reason, they're not hungry for God. They don't have a desire for the Lord. They're not motivated to seek God. They don't have a strong urgency or desire or appetite for the things of the Lord. Can I tell you that receiving an appetite for God and a hunger for God Though we think sometimes it ought to be just innate and it ought to be something that everybody has. I have seen people that it seemed like they didn't have a hunger for God. And uh, to stir up that hunger, to stir up that desire uh, was a chore. And it seemed like it was something that uh, was elusive to them, that they didn't care anything about. But if you've got a hunger for God, the Bible says you're a blessed individual. In fact, if you can keep a hunger for God, you can make it. You can serve the Lord. You can last. Amen. You, you will continue to be blessed. Your life will continue to be fruitful. Because no matter what circumstance, no matter what challenge comes against you, what trial or valley that you have to walk through, if you can stay hungry for the Lord, if you can stay desirous after the presence of God, you can always find the strength and the ability to go on, the encouragement to continue, the, the fervency to withstand whatever it is that the enemy might be throwing against you. And the greatest curse that I could think of this morning is to lose your appetite for the things of God. One of the symptoms we know of someone that is seriously and critically ill is for them to have a loss of appetite. And uh, many times we measure how uh, sick a person really is and even maybe are a little encouraged when uh, someone says, well, uh, they haven't been eating, but today they, they got up and had breakfast, and that is a sign that health is returning and strength is returning to their body. We know that there's no possibility of them getting well if they don't regain their appetite. We know that there's no possibility of them overcoming the sickness and whatever it is that has attacked their body if uh, they remain uh, in a state of a loss of appetite, but if they can get hungry, then they can receive the nourishment and the strength that they need to overcome the attack on their body. And can I say there's a lot of parallels there spiritually, that if you can keep your hunger for God, desire for the things of the, of the Lord and, and uh, the presence of God and, and coming into uh, the church and and receiving the Word of God and, and the hunger for the Word of God, that you can make it and you can overcome the attacks of the enemy. When, when there is an attack upon your spiritual man, if you can stay hungry for the things of God, you'll overcome it. You'll, you'll get through it. You can make it. 
Amen. And one of the greatest signs of someone that is spiritually healthy is that they have a strong appetite for the presence of God. They are almost addicted to coming in to the presence of the Lord. And oh, they know how to get into the presence of God. They know that it takes worship and praise and thanksgiving to the Lord to get into his presence. Uh, They have a healthy desire and hunger for the word of God. Amen. They they hang. They're, they're, They're hungry when they come to the house of God. And they hang on every word that the preacher preaches because they know this is food for their soul. And this is strength. Or their spiritual man. They understand that if I'm going to survive in this world, I got to stay hungry. I got to stay desirous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got to stay into it. Praise God. And, and uh, the signs of somebody that's spiritually sick is just the opposite. It seems like their mind is wondering when it's time to worship God. It seems like praising the Lord is, is prying for something all the time. It, it seems like that uh, they got to be some way connived to, to, to lift up their voice and to sing and, and give thanks unto the Lord. But somebody that is really, really hungry for the Lord, amen, they, they are just waiting for an opportunity. You don't have to. You don't have to tell me to raise my hands. You don't have to tell me to lift up my voice in praise. You don't have to convince me that He's worthy. You don't have to tell me how good He's been. I'm just looking for a chance. I'm just looking for an opportunity. Oh, can I tell you this morning that if hunger ever breaks out, uh, Amen. That person is guaranteed that God is going to satisfy their need. It's just that simple, folks. Uh, we, we try to make it so complicated sometimes. But getting what you need from God and receiving a miracle and getting a prayer through, it starts with being hungry. It starts with having an appetite. It starts with a strong drive and desire. Amen. The Bible tells me that a man that has desire will separate himself. That's what the wise man said in the book of Proverbs. Through desire, a man separateth himself. Can I tell you that that is what brings people out of the masses? That's what separates people from the crowd is someone that is truly hungry. You can always pick them out no matter how big the congregation is. You can always see and notice that one that is truly hungry for God because they're not concerned with just blending in. They're not concerned with just going with the flow. They're not concerned with just uh, everybody uh, going along the same way and and, uh, whatever the tradition says that we've got to do. But they're hungry for God and so desirous of the Lord that their worship stands out, that their praise and their prayers uh, stand out, that their desire for the things of God causes them to stand out. They may lift up their voice when everybody else is silent. They may clap their hands when everybody just got them resting at their side. They may sing when everybody else thinks it's time to stop. They may run the aisles when everybody else is comfortably seated. They may lift up their voice 
us in prayer and cry out to God in desperation, but they're hungry for the voice of the Lord to speak to them. They're hungry to receive something from God. And the Bible said if you got that kind of hunger, you're a blessed man. You're a blessed woman. If you can maintain that kind of appetite for God, that's a blessing to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I've made it a habit in my life to always look at that word anytime it appears in the scripture and analyze the verses before it and after it. Anytime it says blessed, I want to look at it because I'm interested in the blessings of God and I want to study those that are blessed of the Lord, those in the scripture that are blessed of God. I want to study their lives and find out why and how they receive the favor and the blessing of God. I don't want to be cursed. I don't want to live under a curse. I don't want to live anything less than the blessings of God. I don't even want to be normal. I I don't even just want to fit in. I want so many blessings from the Lord and the hand of God to be apparent on my life that people look on and say whatever it is that that man is doing and whatever God that man is serving, he's blessing him and he's good to him and he's helped him and he's favored him. Come on, is that how you feel? Aren't you thankful that God's not a respecter of persons here this morning? But everybody in this house can get what I'm talking about. God's not just looking for a few. He's looking for anybody. I said anyone that is hungry. Amen. This scripture is not just for a specific person, but it's for anyone that is hungry for the Lord. You can be blessed today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, I think we ought to lift up our voice and give praise to God. Come on, if hunger would show up in this place this morning, we'd see miracles, uh, we'd see prayers answered, uh, we'd see hearts and lives full of the presence and the anointing and the touch of God that's been desired. You'd see God come through in situations that you've been believing him for. If hunger would show up today, we'd walk out of this place victorious. We'd walk out of this place. Those that are sick would be healed. Those that are unsaved could find salvation. Those that are bound could be done. If hunger ever showed up here this morning, you wouldn't be concerned about the time you wouldn't be concerned about what sister so and so said about you you wouldn't think amen one second about what anybody thought of your worship if hunger ever shows up a miracle's going to happen amen supernatural power is going to be unleashed yeah praise God I see many, many examples in the scripture where hunger showed up. Yeah, that's right. Matter of fact, in our text, the Lord told these Pharisees who were so hung up on ritualism, they were so hung up on tradition, they were so hung up on doing it the same way and making sure they protected their little securities and their little traditions. They didn't understand. They had totally missed the point of why there was even a Sabbath. 
And the Lord endeavors to explain it to him. He said, but you're professors of the law. You've read that Old Testament back and forwards. You've got all the stories memorized. Have you never, you realize what an insult it was for him to say that to them? We're talking about students of the law. We're talking about people that define the law to other folks. We're talking about going to a lawyer that studies a particular kind of law and insulting him by saying, have you ever read what the law said on that? That's what Jesus was basically doing. He said, have you never read what David did when he got hungry? I'm putting in layman's terms. And he had a need. The need was that he had been kicked out of Saul's house, had to run for his life. He had been used to eating the banquet foods of the king's table that was supplied. And if you've ever read anything about the, the tables that was provided in the Old Testament to kings, read about what was placed on Solomon's table. It'll blow your mind. I mean, how many, how many deer and how many lamb and how, how, how much meat and how, what all was placed on the table. If you walked away from that table and you were still hungry, it was your own fault. Amen. Kind of like my grandmother's house at Thanksgiving. If you walk away from that and you say, man, I'm hungry, people would look at you like you were crazy or too picky. <laughs> so anyway, he said, he said that he had to leave in haste, and he went to the house of the Lord that was at Nob, and there he found the priest that was overseeing the house of the Lord, and he asked him for a few things. He said, I've been traveling, and we got away in haste, and the men that are with me and myself were desperately hungry. Is there any bread that is here? And, and the priest said, there's nothing but the showbread, which was the bread that was baked specifically to be placed in that Old Testament tabernacle that was given to the priest, and it was only lawful for the priest. And David said, we have consecrated ourselves, we've kept ourselves clean, and uh, I know that this is not protocol, I know this will defy tradition, I know that this is not a normal situation, and this would be a drastic thing for you to do, but if you could give us that bread and allow us to receive nourishment, we're going to pass away. We're going to die. We're going to diminish if you don't give us something to eat. And the priest gave it to him. And uh, can you imagine, can you imagine if there were any onlookers that were there when David began to scarf that bread down and then with the back of his sleeve he wiped off his mouth and he's standing there in the tabernacle. I'm sure those priests that were attending that day thought to themselves, stand back, fellas. A bolt of lightning is fixing to come and going to take their lives for doing this. But nothing happened. Why? Because God is trying to teach us a lesson. God is trying to reveal something about his nature. 
God is trying to reveal something. He, he saw that instance when, when those, uh, those men are walking through the cornfield and they're, they're picking the ears of corn and they're, and they're plucking it off and, and they're eating it uh, to receive nourishment because of the busy schedule. And they had to, they had to eat it as they went, the Bible says. It was kind of like uh, a drive-through situation there. And they're, they're eating in haste and they're eating as they're going to the next place. And the Lord said, this is a good time for me to give an important lesson to those Pharisees about how God looks at hunger, how God looks at a person's desire, that if he can see desire, if he can see hunger, Amen. There's a lot of times I've seen people that were less than perfect, that didn't have it all just right. They hadn't learned all the traditions of the church, but they had something, amen, down in the heart, down in the soul of that person that caused them to reach out for God, caused them to desire the things of the Lord. And God said, you know, that's what I want and that's what I'll bless above everything else. Hallelujah. Let me make it a little bit more personal to you today. There's times when people fall and there's times when people make mistakes and there's times when people don't get it all just right. But if they can maintain a hunger for God, it seems like God always will help them back up. God will give them another chance. God will give them another opportunity. Come on, do you believe what I preach here this morning? Matter of fact, many of you that are in this place, uh, you're not so sanctified. Amen. You know what it is to fall. You know what it is to stumble. You know what it is to make mistakes. Uh, You know what it is to come up short. Uh, But if you could just keep that hunger to keep coming back to the house of God, uh, to keep coming back into his presence, uh, you can keep that desire. You can keep that thrust and drive in your heart. God will bless it. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Yeah, hunger for God is a blessing. I said hunger for God is a blessing. It's often often misinterpreted, misunderstood. We wonder why am I placed in this situation? Maybe it's because God wants you to keep a hunger for him. Maybe it's because God wants you to keep depending on him. Did he not say through the wise man in Proverbs 3, In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Maybe it wasn't the path that you thought. Maybe it wasn't the path that you would have first chose. Maybe it was not the path that you preferred. But it's the path that God has for you. Hallelujah. And as long as you can keep a hunger, you can always forge your way. You can always make it somehow. Amen. You'll always come out on top. But if you ever lose that hunger, you've lost it all, friend. You may not have anything else, but if you've got hunger for God, that's all you need this morning to get his blessing. That's all you need to receive, a touch from God. You say you don't know how many 
failures I've stacked up. You don't know how many trouble situations that are against me right now and how many times I've stumbled and cut up short. Seems like the odds are against me, but do you have a hunger for God? That's the only question that really matters here this morning. That's the only thing that's really relevant today is if you're hungry for God. I wonder if hunger showed up yet. I said I wonder if hunger has showed up to this place right now. Hunger is insensitive to time. Hunger is insensitive to protocol. It's midnight. Unexpected guests have come by. And guests always expect to be fed. And so... They go to check the cupboard, and they realize, hey, there's no bread here. And that was a major staple then, and suppose it is now in the setting of any table. No bread. What are we going to do? I said, well, I know neighbor Joe's got some bread. I said, let's go over. I know it's midnight. I know his family's all asleep. And in that day, his tradition would have it. Because of the climate, many of the families would sleep on the housetop. There was a trap door, so to speak, that went up to the housetop. And for security reasons, the man and his family would sleep on top of that door. And this was a way for them to never have someone break in in the night and then not be aware of it. And so his family is bedded down along with himself on the, on the door, and there comes a knock in the midst of the night. And this knock continues to persist. I don't know if you've ever had somebody, a salesman, some type, type of campaign comes by. Maybe it's Jehovah's Witness, bless God. And they come by and knock on the door, and you look through the crack in the blinds, we were on outreach yesterday, and uh, I said, we knocked on the door. They were there. I'd heard their voice, and uh, turned around to walk off, and there's all blinds there. I said, yeah, they're probably looking through those blinds right now at us. I, said, I wonder when they're going to leave. <laughs> well, maybe this man thought that if I just ignore it, it'll go away, but that knocking just kept on persisting. I know you're in there. He said, do you realize finally? He said, do you realize that I have to wake my whole family? I have to get all the kids up to let you in just to give you a loaf of bread? He said, I don't care how much it inconveniences you. I don't care what has to be done. This is an unexpected event in my life, and We've got, to, we've got to have bread to satisfy this need. This just has to be in order for us to provide for the need that is here. Can I tell you that unexpected things can happen in our life? Things we didn't plan on. Things that we didn't have any intention of happening. It wasn't a part of the dream. It wasn't a part 
of what we had sketched out as life's goals. But nevertheless, here we are, and it puts us in a strait, and it causes us to be willing to do things that we wouldn't think of doing before. Praise God. But that's not such a bad thing all the time. I said, that's not such a bad thing. Whatever drives you to an altar, whatever brings you to a place of prayer, whatever brings you to a place of totally committing your life to God, it's going to be worth it. Whatever unwelcome, un, uninvited, un, unexpected guest that comes by that drives you to your knees it'll be worth it because this bread is what will satisfy you this bread is what will provide for the needs of your life this bread is what will satisfy the hunger Come on, is anybody hungry here this morning? I'm waiting for hunger to show up here. I'm waiting for hunger to take over this service. I'm waiting for hunger to leap from somebody's heart. Amen. I'm waiting for hunger to call somebody to react and respond in faith. That's the way it was with the prodigal. He left, didn't see any desire for daddy's table, didn't have any desire for all and appreciation for all that he possessed, all that he had when he left. But in the Bible said a few days after he had spent all that he had and all the friends were gone and a famine came to that land and he had given himself to become a citizen of that country. This boy that was born in a totally different station of life, come from a totally different background, wasn't used to this kind of thing, suddenly began to be in want, the Bible says. And they sent him forth to feed the swine. I mean, this Jewish boy, he didn't know anything about feeding swine, didn't, didn't know anything about swine. He never ate them. He never had anything to do with them. And he did feign for the husk that the swine did eat. He got hungry. He got hungry. And as he began to consider his situation, this is not how I expected it. This is not how I wanted it. This certainly wasn't in the plans. This wasn't the goal. This wasn't what I intended to happen. Oh, I don't know how I got to this place. But nevertheless, he said, I know one thing. I know even the servants back at my father's house. They're doing better than I'm doing. They got bread enough to spare. And I'm perishing. I'm going to die in hunger. This is foolish of me to stay here when my servants, and I know that I betrayed my father. I know that I've done wrong, and I'm no more worthy to be called his son. But if I could just get hired on as one of his servants, I'd be doing better than what I'm doing right now. And he said, I will arise. And the great thing about that, he didn't just talk about it, but the next verse said, and he arose. Amen. He said he got up from where he was. It's not enough just to talk about what you're going to do for God. And Someday I'm going to serve him and someday I'm going to get right with him and someday I'm going to be a soul winner. Someday I'm going to be a prayer warrior. Someday I'm really going to give my life to the Lord. Come on, it's time to put your money where your mouth is. It's time to walk the talk. It's 
it's time to step up. He said, I will arise, and he arose and began to make his journey back. What was it that caused him to do that? I'll tell you what it was. Hunger showed up. Hunger said, I can't just sit here and die. those four leprous men. When famine came to the city of Samaria, it was so dreadful. It talks about them selling donkeys' heads and calf of dogs, dove's dung and getting money for it. Up there where there used to be the porterhouse steaks and the ribeyes and the meat market, you could see an old donkey's head hanging up where there used to be steaks and used to be fine cuts of meat. That's how bad things got. Everybody was rationing everything they had. Babies were being slain, boiled, and eat. Mothers were making deals among themselves. We'll eat your child today and mine tomorrow. Hunger causes people to do things they wouldn't normally do. That's right. And these four leprous men, outcasts that depended on the refuse and the garbage to be thrown out over the city walls so they could ravage through it and find a few crumbs, they realized there's not even crumbs being thrown over. All the crumbs were being utilized. What are we going to do? And if that wasn't bad enough, the Syrian army comes and surrounds the city and is going to overtake them in their moments of vulnerability. And so... They're between a city that doesn't have anything to offer them and an army that wants to slay them. And they're contemplating what they're going to do. And hunger finally spoke up and said, why said we here till we die? We just continue in this place. We're going to die anyway. We may as well get up and do something about it. So I'd rather I'd rather step in, out in faith and walk in faith than to just stay here and sit down and doubt and die. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to the enemy's camp. And when they got there, you know the story of how the Lord worked for them, how the Lord provided for them, how the Lord made a way for them. Why? Because hunger said, I refuse just to sit here. I refuse just to suck my thumb and talk about how bad it is that I'm going to get to where God can work in my life. I'm going to do something amen. Stepping out in faith. I'm going to respond in a way that God can work for me. You've got to work for that one that will step out and respond in hunger. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, there comes a time when you got to say, after taking inventory, I need more. I need more. I, I, I've been getting by, but I need more. I'm hungry for more. I desire more from God. That's basically the story in Acts chapter 10 of Cornelius. The Bible said he was a good man. The Bible said he was a given man. The Bible said he was a praying man, but he knew he needed more. He knew he needed more, and he got to praying, God, if you'll reveal it to me, if you'll show me, I want more than just dead, dull religion. I want more than just this empty feeling that I'm feeling of tradition. 
I want truth because I know it's the truth that is going to make me free. I know it's the truth that is going to satisfy the needs of my life. And he got to praying about it. And the Bible says that the Lord, he built up such a prayer memorial that the Lord couldn't ignore it anymore. Every time he turned around, he could see that that memorial of prayer that, that Cornelius was raising and erecting up to heaven. Oh, and he said, I got to do something about this man that so persistently pursues and hungers after righteousness and desires the things of the Lord. I, I got to send him a preacher. I've got to, I got to send him somebody to tell him the truth. Come on. People give themselves to so many substitutes endeavoring to satisfy their hunger. I'm going to tell you, tradition isn't going to satisfy. Things of this world are not going to satisfy. As sparkly as it may be, sin is not going to satisfy. It's going to run out. Moses knew. He had an understanding. He said, I got a choice to make. I can enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Or I can choose to walk with the people of God. But one thing about it, sin's got a shelf life. And one thing about it, sin's going to come to an evil conclusion. And sin only has one outcome. The wages of sin is death. Can I tell you that sin will pay you the same thing every time? It'll pay you death, death of relationships, death of health, death of strength, death of all spiritual desire, death, death, ultimately physical death. Amen. But more than that, a soul that is lost without God. I'm going to preach to you today that sin, amen, is a seasonal, seasonal thing that you better be aware of. Cornelius said, I got to have more. I'm hungry for more than just the usual and the mundane. And, and what's, what's satisfying and appealing to the flesh, I, I got a hunger for something more than that. Got a desire for something more than that. Hallelujah. Oh, God can help somebody if hunger just take care of your heart, take hold of your heart, get, get down deep within you. Amen. The most blessed thing that could ever happen to anyone is to get a hunger for the things of God. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. A lot of people hungry for revival. A lot of folks hungry for miracles. A lot of folks hungry for the supernatural. A lot of folks hungry for the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. A lot of folks hungry to see something they've never seen before. And he said, I wonder if there's anybody that's just hungry for me, wants a relationship with me. Because when you get me, you get all those things. When you get me, you get all the miracles. You, it, it's a package deal. When you get me, you get all the power. We got a hunger and thirst after him, a relationship with him. Is there anybody that's hungry? Has hunger showed up in anybody's heart here this morning? Have we stirred up anybody's hunger in this place? Why don't you stand to your feet right now and stretch forth your hands and say, God, let there be a hunger in my heart.
Stir up hunger in me. Don't be satisfied something less than what the soul needs. Help me to be stirred and hungry, thirsty, desirous. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. I love that last part. For they shall be filled. You got a promise today. I said, you got a promise today. You're telling me all I got to do is get hungry for God. That's what I'm telling you. It's as simple as that. Don't complicate it. Don't, don't, don't make something bigger out of it. But just understand if I can get hungry for the Lord, if I can get a desire, and if I can get a thirst for God, God will satisfy my need. God will work in my life. God will help me. Some of us need to reach way down and say, God, let that old desire and those old hunger pains that used to overtake me for you, that desire to get in the presence of the Lord, that desire to pray and seek the face of God, that desire, Lord, to just be in your presence and bask in your glory. Let me once again receive that. Let it be stirred up in me. Don't let the years cause it to die down, but let that be fervent. Let it be Let it be a drive that I don't lose. Let it be an appetite that is freshly stirred up. Come on, we can get so distracted. We can get so out of it if we're not careful. But God is trying to touch somebody's heart here today. God is trying to talk to somebody here today. Hallelujah, God's wanting to stir somebody's spirit towards hunger today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah, Jesus. How long has it been since you got hungry for God and nothing else? Where prayer wasn't about what I could get, what I could receive, and about my needs and my wants, but it was about getting a hold of God and receiving fresh, new, and replenish that desire. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, you can come and drink at the well here this morning if you're thirsty. If you're hungry, you can come pull your knees up underneath the banqueting table of the king today. Nobody has to leave. Nobody has to leave without receiving all that you're desirous of. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, how long has it been since you prayed until you spoke in tongues? Prayed until hot tears coursed down your cheeks. Prayed until something gripped your heart that squeezed every bit of carnality and ill feelings and things of the world out of you. Oh, God, help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me, God. Help me to be hungry for you. Help me to be thirsty for you. Help me to be moved on by you. God, I don't want to slip into a rut. I don't want to slip into a dangerous routine. I don't want to become careless so close to the end. 
Help me to be stirred.